You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up? Good morning to you. It's Dan Patrick Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from Southern California with Jason McIntyre. I'm Doug Gottlieb. We have... We had a ton to get to. We got LeBron and the weird weekend in Cleveland and the story uh, about his and his team's mis, uh, dislike of their general manager. Woo! Is that, that, that's spicy. We have the head coach of Michigan, who just happens to be a former uh, NBA star, Juwan Howard, taking a swing at an assistant coach of Wisconsin. Uh, which which started a bit of a melee. Thankfully, didn't lead into anything worse than that. Uh, we have really nothing for Major League Baseball, which is interesting in terms of the lockout, which is creeping closer and closer to losing real games as they've already lost spring training games. Uh, and we have some some Tom Brady news and and uh, Pat Pat Mahomes news to boot. So so Jason, I give it to you. Um, oh, you, Doug, you do you're the so generous and kind. well. No, you do the you do the tomorrow's headlines today on Cowherd right on Friday. We do that, yes. Okay, so if you were if if you were doing if you were doing a headline, somebody's waking up this morning in Southern California, or you're on the East Coast, listen to the Dan Patrick Show on the Dan Patrick Show app. Okay, at eleven o two on the East Coast, at eight o two on the West Coast. What would your lead be as the former owner? Of the big league. <laughs> I personally would leave with Steph Curry. I thought the it was a magical performance. Now, I'm a Curry guy. You know that. Uh, fun fact, I started a podcast way, 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 way back in like 2010 or 11, before he even signed that incredible extension off his rookie deal, like this $78 million deal or whatever the, ben- the bonus was because he had the injured ankles. I started a podcast and... I was able to get him as my first guest. Now, how did I do that? I was a big fan of Curry when he was at Davidson. I got to know one of the local media guys who ended up getting to know Curry well. Had Curry as my first podcast guest. Then, Doug, right before COVID, he had had surgery and was rehabbing in the L.A. area. Just so happened that he was working out at my gym, which is the old Clippers facility. I saw him there. You know, we chatted. Curry, just a great all-around human being. Correct. Um, Great what he's done for the— Great ambassador for basketball— as I said earlier, a below-the-rim star in an above-the-rim league. People love dunks and uh, Shaq and big big players. And Curry's a 6'3 frail guy. And it's just an awesome story. So I personally would have led with Steph Curry today. Now, I know you see it differently as a former college basketball star, a huge college basketball fan. Um I like no, to bet no, on March Madness. Has, but. It has it has it has nothing to do with like I played I played college basketball over twenty years ago. It has nothing to do with it. I, I'm I'm telling you like Steph Curry is a great shooter. That none, none of that surprised me. It's a meaningless game where they don't play any defense, and you let a guy who's an unbelievable shooter, and he he catches a heater. He's going to make a bunch of threes. Like I you sixteen, know, not a I bunch. could I could 16. do I I could. Well, I mean, we could do the LeBron James hit the game winning shot. Like, yeah, but nobody cares about the game. It's about Curry and 16 threes. And it's one, it was one of those look, moments Sunday look, night where I, you start getting texts, are you watching this? Oh, my gosh. It's one of those moments. Like, who? I didn't get texts about who? Juwan Howard. Friends, family. Like, my family members who aren't even huge basketball fans, not my, my brother's basketball fan, are like, oh, my gosh, Curry, Jason, are you watching? And And it's like... When you can cross over from just sports to at large, like Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres, those kind of fans, and they're tuned in and locked in and in awe of what Curry's doing, yeah, I think you got the number one story. Now, well, I would I would counter that with, okay, so today, 
if you turn on any of the news shows, if you turn on any of the sports shows, the lead story is the head coach of Michigan, okay, who I think was Juwan Howard the first, or Kevin Garnett was the first $100 million man. He was the second $100 million man. Wow. Right? Is that right? right? So, so yeah. So, uh, in, in the NBA, um, is Juwan Howard's the head coach of Michigan. He takes a swing and starts a fight, okay, uh, against Wisconsin after the game is over. Mm-hmm. That's a bigger story. Uh, just, yeah, I, I think that's a, a fair a point. Story. It's got crazy video, and you know, it's these alarming video where if you're making breakfast for your kids, although everybody's got the day off for President's Day, and you look up at the screen and there's a fight, you're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Who, Michigan, okay, wow, anybody get hurt? Okay, I guarantee you nobody heard of Greg Gard. And a lot of people are like, wait, Jawan Howard, the former NBA player? Oh, yeah. wow, he's coaching me. Okay, I'm just saying the casual viewer. Yes. And again, like that's a crazy story, but... Again, you asked me what I would leave with. I would have said Curry. Yeah, but I, reasonable I, minds can disagree. Uh, uh, yes, I, I, I think the NBA All Star Game is a. Well, I don't know what you call it. Like in the headline, headline thing. I don't think you. I, I would if I'm doing like you. You lead with the melee, and then the second story is the All Star Weekend, and then a part of the story is LeBron James trying to make sure that his son makes it to the NBA <laughs> is is and and leaving the door open for Cleveland and Clutch Sports being unhappy with Rob Palinka, that's the third story, but it may have more of an effect on what the future of the Lakers looks like than than anything else. Let let's start with the melee. Mark Schlereth's gonna 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 join us. Um what do you think should happen to Juwan Howard? I would say suspend him for the rest of the regular season and I don't want to see him in the Big Ten tournament because if he shows up He's the story, despite how awesome my guy Ivy is at Purdue, despite how awesome uh, several players and teams are. It's all going to be about Jawan Howard. We know this, right? It's going to be Jawan Howard hasn't coached because of the fight. And you're going to see the video. I I just don't even think you bring him to the Big Ten tournament. I say you keep him out of Michigan. uh, You keep him in Michigan. uh, Let the tournament happen. He's not allowed to be there. and, And you let the play and the players at the tournament speak as opposed to Juwan Howard being central to everything, uh, I'm okay with that. I, I I think, and it would, it would to some people it would feel extra harsh. I think to those people you would say like, look, man, if it wasn't Juwan Howard, I think you'd probably be fired today. Like, let's just kind of be honest. If it's anybody else, you're getting fired. And and you know, I think Guard will get, uh, Guard will get something here. I I honestly believe that we're like. We're mm, 16 hours or so removed from when it, when the incident happened. I think we're they're like we're making it worse with the fact that there's been no apology, right? And you don't have to like you don't even have you don't have to talk about whether or not you somebody put their hands on you, like any of that stuff, whatever. Like we're we're getting away from you can't take a swing at somebody. Yeah. You just can't. And Juwan knows it better than anybody else because how long he played. It's the it's the rule of the NBA. It's what everybody says about these NBA fights is that nobody's actually going to throw a punch because they know you throw a punch, you're going to sit. It's what you tell all your players. You never throw a punch or you sit. And here's the the second highest paid member of the faculty of, of the University of Michigan on national TV it doesn't matter if it's closed hand or open hand. You can't take a swing at anybody. Can't happen. And it did. So I 
I agree with you. Uh, handshake lines. Oh. Dick, Dick, hold on. Dick yeah. Vitale. Yeah. Dick Vitale. We should eliminate handshake lines. Mark Price, who played, coached in college basketball, to do away with handshake lines. Uh, Seth Davis, should do away with handshake lines. Seth the, Davis? Yeah, Seth has been against the handshake lines. I had to unfollow that guy like two years ago. He's insufferable. I'm sorry. No, um, no disrespect. I know he's your guy. Um, so where are you on the handshake lines? Um, I, you know, Doug, this is funny and the large portion of our audience may not care. That being said, out here in LA, the restrictions for COVID have been quite bad and they canceled the local basketball league for the second year in a row. So me and another dad said, guess what? Screw them. We're starting our own league. So we started a league out here. And we have four girls teams, third grade girls basketball. We have four teams. Dad, dads are coaching. We're all refing. You know, it takes a village. We do a handshake line in the middle of COVID for third grade girls basketball. You got to do the handshake line. You grow up to respect opponents. I don't care. Uh, these battles are ugly. Uh, sometimes, you know, plays very heated. You do the handshake line at the end. We still do it in third grade. Why shouldn't you do it in college basketball? Because a couple coaches got in an argument. Give me a break. Got to keep yeah. the handshake line. I completely agree with you. Like we 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 are we are lockstep in this thing, you know. That it's it's one of the great things. What's the best thing about the Stan, about um, the Stanley Cup playoffs? Right at the end of Game Seven, at the end when the series is over, they line up and shake hands. Now you may say to yourself, "Well, hold on, they don't shake hands in the first games," and and this is why it's college sports, it's college basketball. It's different. This is something we've always done, and the way in which it's taught and the way it should, I believe, continue to be taught is. I don't care if you play well, you don't play well. I don't care if you think you got a bad whistle or a good whistle. Like this is, all of it is part of the life lesson we're trying to teach human beings and young men is that you, t- you take a breath, calm yourself, you walk down, you say good game, you shake their hand, and you get your butt to the locker room. That that's what you that's what you do. And some of these teams they stay out and they sing their alma mater or whatever. But you always, always, always shake hands, and you always go behind your head coach, who is the first one out to midcourt, and then the assistants follow, and then the players follow. That's how it's done. I've actually been when I was with John McLeod, I was uh, a player at Notre Dame. We practiced. We we practiced how we we're going to warm up, how we we're going to line up. Um, back then, the national anthem. We weren't out there for the anthem, but you practice. And and then before senior day, we were going to be out there, so we practiced everything, including how we're going to line up for senior day and where, how and where we were going to stand for the national anthem and how we were going to shake hands. All of that stuff. You practice everything. It is, it is taught. And Jawan knows it, and he didn't do it. And, you know... <clears throat> Then he takes a swing at a guy. And I, I don't care. If you want to tell me, like, oh, Greg Gard shouldn't put his hand. I'm like, okay. Like, John Howard's six foot ten. Like, do you really think he was threatened by Greg Gard? Like, what are we, what, what are we actually discussing here? You know? Um, I, I just, he, I, I don't, the Big Ten tournament would be one which I'm, I'm conflicted on because it feels like maybe a little bit too long a suspension. But I'm, I'm okay with your logic behind it, especially considering now we've gotten to the point where he, he had a chance to apologize in the press conference. He didn't. He had a night to put out an apology. He didn't. We didn't wake up to, you know, we're in Michigan. Are they their central time zone? Like we're at 10 o'clock now. There's been no, hey, man, I just want to. Like all you got to do is like, I'm, I'm really sorry for uh, the incident and how it looked. That's not how we like to carry ourselves. 
and we're going to work towards a solution and whatever punishment that the university, Ward Manual, and the Big Ten decide on, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to accept because that's the, the responsibility that my position carries. None of that. So, yeah, I would, I would have said the regular season up until maybe uh, thinking about that. But now that I've seen no, because now once you apologize a day later, now it becomes a forced apology. Now it doesn't feel in any way authentic. And again, you don't have to be sorry for the fact that you got mad that they called a timeout when, you know, and I don't think the timeout was, you needed the timeout, just get the damn ball in and whatever. But I do understand he was pressing. They had walk-ons in. It, it, it was really, really raggedy, right? If you're going to keep pressing, then we can call timeouts. Like this is a reasonable discussion to have, but it, it, it's never okay to take a swing at somebody, especially when you're the head coach and especially on national TV at midcourt. And then it started, it started a brawl basically. That yeah. That's what, that, that's what took I place. know you and uh, Goodman kind of thought this was like a bad look for college basketball. And yes, uh, it, the obvious view is, oh man, bad look. But I will say this, Doug, we're merely talking about college basketball. Even if it's not a great story, we're discussing college basketball. That's a tough sell outside of March for a lot of these national shows. You, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So, all in all, like, I, again, I, I know that sounds like, Jason, what are you saying? Come on. We are, d- the fact that we spent an hour today on college basketball, I think is kind of a good thing. You know? We're not talking about Purdue and why you think Kentucky might be the best team and what about Auburn and the kid Smith and right, keep an eye on UCLA. Like, we're not going into that. That's more for next month. But I do think this is kind of an onboarding for college basketball. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to college basketball. I love the sport. I bet on it all the time. Yes, I post my picks on IG stories. Uh, Yes, my friends have a model. Um, I like college basketball. I'm a honk. But, um, Doug, like you can't hate that we're talking about it, obviously, right? Even though, considering the circumstances, it's not a great positive story. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, that's the any publicity is good publicity model. Uh, Yeah, I, I... yeah, I guess. I don't think I don't think this is one of those brings eyes to the college game though because of it. Right? And so I do understand, but I I Yes, yeah, I, that's correct. That no nobody's watching college basketball because it was a fight. People were watching when Zion was here and he was doing ridiculous things like literally breaking out of his sneakers. Um I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah it's, it's 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 an I I don't I think it's a terrible look for the sport. It just is. It just, and yes, I do understand that it brings attention. I don't know if any of that attention resonates into more people watching the college game. I, that one, that no. one, I, yeah, yeah, that, that one, I normally I would, I do understand what you're saying. And I, I get the, the idea of it that, Hey, at least we're talking about college basketball. But the problem is that Juwan's team isn't, wasn't trending in the right direction. And now with them being out and they'll have some suspensions, probably loses, they have a bunch of home games remaining. They probably lose a couple and fall out of the NCAA tournament. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, yeah. yeah I, it's I'm, weird. Remember just, last year at this time, I think we had two undefeated teams. Was or No, just one, right? It was just uh, Gonzaga. Was that, was or was Gonzaga, Baylor undefeated? When did they lose? I think they had one loss. Right. They, so they at least there was that last year of undefeated. Yes. Can they go wire to wire? This year, like, 
Listen, I think I I think Gonzaga is the best team, but there's no like dom- utterly dominant team. Oh my gosh, you got to turn in their must see basketball, which is kind of what Gonzaga was last year. Well, I, I here's what, here's what I think this year has been, and we've seen it across all sports, but college basketball a good portion of it has been about the atmosphere historically, right? Has been about atmospheres. You know, I was I got to I, I got to call a game at Duke on Saturday. I'd never been there before, right? It's one of the great. It's why you're known for the Cameron crazies and for this unbelievable. I think we've the return of fans in the stands and college fans especially, and these atmospheres have been have been amazing. So I do think it's been a a better year than. Then maybe the ratings and the numbers. There's some other things that 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 go into it. I I do think that college basketball is back in terms of resonating in college towns and in, in in America. So that that portion of it is is bigger than the undefeated team last year with with Gonzaga. But I I don't know this. Look, I, I, there's one more part to it, and this is this is important. Okay, I believe that most coaches would be fired today if they took a swing at another coach. And there's an element to it, which you can't deny, where there's a black head coach takes a swing at a white assistant coach that if the roles were reversed, the white coach would be fired, which, again, only proves to me that it would be wrong. I think it'd be wrong to fire uh, wrong to to fire Juwan today, completely wrong. And I think it'd be wrong to fire because I don't believe race has anything to do with it, nothing to do with it. And I just think it has to do with and and maybe Juwan, one of the reasons that he's been um, so abrasive to other coaches is he feels like he's not being given the respect that he deserves. Um, I, I don't know, but this is also this is not the first incident he's had with other coaches, not the first incident they've had in handshake lines like he got to get himself under control. But I think it's really important when we're in a. We're in a time where everybody wants to make things racial, right? They want to make it's, oh, it's like it's not, and I think he'll be treated fairly, and I think we should treat all people fairly and just take a breath and understand that this is more about ego-driven men who refuse to say they're sorry, who don't want to have a conversation about something that took place in a game, and then they want to fight, and it's a terrible look, Mm. regardless of the color of somebody's skin. Real quick before we go to break, uh, Doug, Baylor at OK OK State tonight, college hoops. It's Oklahoma State. Why is it hard to say Oklahoma State? Sorry, Oklahoma State. Baylor's favored by five. Um, OK State, Oklahoma State, sorry, won yes. the earlier meeting. Yes. I was thinking payback, but it's at your place in Oklahoma State. I, yeah. Well, you think they, Baylor Baylor favored by five? Uh, well, Oklahoma State's in- incredible defensively. Uh, they struggle a bit offensively. I would lean towards Baylor. Um I would I would I would lean towards Baylor in that one. If well, I was Scott, if I was you can't I, beat Scott Drew twice in a season, right? <laughs> um, we'll see. Good. I think Texas Tech has has a chance to do that, but I mean, he's the defending national champion head coach. He's he's built an incredible program. I'm gonna lay it with Baylor. All right, all right. You're welcome. You're welcome. We'll get back to the NFL, including. We sure Tom Brady's done. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb and Jason McIntyre in for Dan and the Danettes here on the Dan Patrick Show. Mark Slater will join us in four minutes. I quickly want to get to this LeBron James and Clutch Sports story uh, where uh, multiple reports have Clutch Sports, the agency that Rich Paul uh, runs, of course, and his 
biggest client, his biggest advocate, is his closest friend and ally and LeBron James, upset with Rob Palinka for not trading Russell Westbrook, a 2021 um, first-round pick, for John Wall. Uh, <laughs> when was the last time John Wall played a basketball game? Uh, uh, At least two years ago. Seriously, he's been out that long. Uh, also, hey, great shout-out on the bumper music there. Slop it a bass. You know that movie, right? Uh, I do not. Oh, my God. Okay. I, I, do, I do not. Uh, he, John Wall played last year. Oh, with he Houston. did? Yeah. Played what? 40 games last year with the Houston Rockets. Wow, I did not know. You sure about this? Positive. All right. Oops, my bad, folks. I thought he was out for the last two years. No, it was the year remember before. Remember he slipped in the shower after getting had a, surgery? Yeah, he had the the heel Achilles That's and right. the infection as well. Yeah, oof, that was rough. Uh, yes, yes. I got my COVID years mixed up. Apologies to John Wall and his family, who I'm sure are handling this okay. Um, yeah, he, he didn't play the last, I think, like, I'm going to say like 11 games or something of the season last year. And uh, towards the end of the year, there was there was a lot of struggles. Um, but yeah, that Houston's paying him to not play. And he's a clutch client. Like, look, here's the problem with LeBron. Like, we can we can all admit, like, he's a great player. Okay? But he's a bad general manager, <laughs> a terrible general manager. And he he has zero accountability. Wait, they a wanted timeout. How is he a bad general manager? Did he not put together half the team in Miami? Did he not put together uh, the moves that they needed to make in Cleveland to help them overtake the Warriors? Did he not get them Anthony no. Davis? He's a bad GM. Well, they overspent for Anthony Davis, and he destroyed. They got a chip. Okay, if that you're result oriented, that's fine. So, so what? What they built, I mean, like, look, what he had in Miami, Dwayne Wade was already there. Right. Right. And he didn't make the decisions in Miami. Pat oh. Riley made decisions in it. Pat so, Riley made decisions. So you don't think there was any talk with Bosch beforehand? No, at the Olympics, hey, CB, let's do this. Let's go. Yeah, Come but on. Guys, you have to understand, guys do that all the time. Right. Guess what? The guys are doing it. I mean, I know we want to give Riley all the props for putting together Miami team. I think Riley gets props for not firing Spolstra. When LeBron said, "Yo, let's get this, guy, let's get this guy out of here," after what, like twenty games, they were eleven and ten or something, ten and nine, so yeah. something early. LeBron wanted him gone, and he didn't yes. get his way. Give Riley credit for that, but I don't know. LeBron's a good GM, bro. Mm, okay, I'm I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you it, with with this particular team that he put together. This is the most power and control that he's had. Okay. Um, you know, because look, we can be critical of, we can be critical of uh, Kevin Love, for example. But like, he Kevin Love was the guy he wanted, right? They trade away what what was Andrew Wiggins, who hadn't played a game yet in the NBA, for Kevin Love. But regardless, okay. Plus, his teams, you know, he wants everybody to get paid. And the problem is that they get paid, and then they get over the cap, and then he wonders why didn't you go and get better people to put around me? You know, I mean, that's that, that's. Kevin Love it, would tr- would it, Kevin Love won a championship. He would give up anything, any award that he's ever gotten, to win another championship. That, no that's question. how championships works. No, right? no, no, no question. That's that's not you're you're kind of missing the the point there. Regardless, okay, with this Lakers team, it's the the irony to the they're unhappy with the construct of the roster, 
when LeBron and the Clutch guys put together this roster. Yeah. Right? That's the old uh, th- that's the old uh, Rodney Dangerfield line. You know, uh, just the other night, uh, my wife told me to take out the garbage. I told her, you cooked it, you take it out, right? That's basically what the Lakers are saying. Like, you cooked it, you take it out. I, this, the, the, the roster is too old. They went from being the best defensive team to trying to get offensive players, and it's an abject disaster. I, you know, you got an untradeable asset, to, and they wanted to trade an untradeable asset for an equally untradeable asset in John Wall. It's laughably bad. Laughably desperate. Anyway, we'll get to what it means for him saying, I'll play my last year with, with Bronny James upcoming the show. Let's welcome in Mark Slareth, Stink three-time Super Bowl champion uh, with the Redskins and the Broncos and, of course, an analyst for Fox Sports covering the National Football League and a super talented radio host in his own right in Denver. He joins us, a Man 101 author, Mark Slareth. Uh, Stink, let, let, let's start with... The story out of Tampa that there was a a rift between that that got untenable between Brady and Arians. What do you think of that story? Well, I mean, you know, you've got to understand who Bruce Arians is. And I found it laughable last year when people were talking about, well, you know, Bruce Arians called uh, Tom Brady out in public, and uh, you know, this could cause problems. They went on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, did it ever cause problems? Not really, because if you know Bruce Arians, there is no virgin meat on anybody's ass in that organization. It's all <laughs> going to get chewed. Um, that's the way he coaches. So, like, and and Tom Brady loves to be coached hard. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know about. I just look at those as as speculation. I look at those as I, I don't know that those are really true. Um, I, yeah, and, and the bottom line is. Hey man, it's a tough game, and it's and you know when things aren't going well, everybody's a little bit ticked off and upset about it. But do I think that Brady and, and uh, Arians had a rift that caused Brady to retire? No, I don't. I don't believe that. All right, Mark, let's talk about your Broncos real quick because I'm infatuated with the Aaron Rodgers storyline. You know they keep losing in the playoffs with Lafleur and Rodgers. But all anybody wants to say right now is, oh well, the Packers will just average, uh, you know, give them forty-five million a year or fifty mil and make him the highest paid for a year, and they'll run it back in Green Bay. And I wonder what's like if you're the Denver Broncos. What is your big pitch to Aaron Rodgers? Well, I mean, number one, he he's got Nathaniel Hackett, who he loves. Um, you know, he really enjoyed Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator. They have a, a great relationship. So he brings, you know, he brings that to the Denver Broncos. So that would be something that, you know, for me, gives him life, gives him excitement, is a guy that not only challenges him, but, you know, makes it fun for Aaron. And, and I tell you what, this game is so – it's such an arduous, arduous season, you know, both mentally and physically, especially as you get older. And it's got to be fun. And if that's the guy that creates, you know, that kind of a enthusiasm, that kind of excitement – and that kind of learning and understanding, then that's enticing. The other thing, you know, for Aaron Rodgers is, do I really want to come back on a one-year deal or, you know, a two-year deal where they know, you know, they're going to have voidable years and they're going to push things back to the final year? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that to me, the whole thing when all of a sudden it became a negotiation in public, that to me was greasing the skids for Aaron Rodgers' departure. Yep. That was very much like what the Dallas Cowboys did for two years with Dak Prescott when they kept 
giving him fake contracts and then announcing it to the media saying, wow, look how greedy this guy is. It's almost to create this animosity between the fan base and said player, knowing that said player is probably going to leave or are going to turn down your offer. So you get out in front of it. You make it look like, man, we can't live without you. And ultimately, you know he's going to leave. I have no idea because I would look at Green Bay if they can you know, re-sign or they franchise Devontae Adams. But they can't franchise Devontae Adams because there's not enough room in the salary cap to do both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams yep. that way. So something's, I mean, something's got to give. And uh, it, it just feels like he's going to leave. And I don't know that Denver's the, the destination. Heck, maybe it's Kyle Shanahan, the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know. Mm. But it certainly feels like the Packers are greasing the skids for departure of Aaron Rodgers. Why would they bring back his favorite quarterback coach then? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, unless Aaron Rodgers decided, hey, man, that's the guy I want. Right. And I've talked to, I talked to Aaron Rodgers for 45 minutes uh, a year ago doing a game. And he, he pointed out Tom Clements because I asked him, you know, I asked him about fronts versus coverages and, and, and how you tie those things together. And he said that Tom Clements taught him really how certain fronts go with certain coverages, you know, so it's uh, under front or a 25 front versus a 57 front, you know, into the weeds here, but how they all pair with the coverage. And so oftentimes, watch Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers play, he'll never look at the DBs. Like, and he goes, it's one of the ways that I try to mess with DBs. I won't look at the DBs. I won't look at where their leverage is, or if they're single high or double high safety, because I know what it's going to end up being based upon the front that I see. And Tom Clemens actually taught him those things. So, yeah, I mean, is that, is that a desperate plea by Green Bay to say, look, we're, you know, we're bringing back your quarterback coach? I don't, again, I don't know. I mean, all we can all do is speculate and read the tea leaves. And, um, and you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But, man, it makes it exciting. I, I mean, from your mouth to God's ears, I hope he comes to Denver. It, it's uh, interesting. <laughs> Mark, but, you, you mentioned Rodgers and San Francisco. Now, I know you were just tossing it out there. But there is some sentiment out there that, hey, maybe Trey Lance ain't ready yet. Maybe he needs two years. And could they rent a Rodgers or who knows, make a play for Tom Brady to come back to the Bay Area. Uh, what are you hearing out of San Francisco? Yeah, I'd, you know, again, those those for me are, are speculative. Uh, you know, I know that, hey, man, it was Trey Lance. You moved all the way up to number three. And, uh, you know, and he was going to be the heir apparent to Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he going to push Jimmy Garoppolo out in this competition and that, this, that, and the other? And I did a couple of San Francisco games early. And, and frankly, other than, you know, coming in and running some – the zone read type of uh, runs and play action. Um, I know early in the season that Trey Lance just flat wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to assimilate that entire offense. And that offense is a lot. There's a ton of verbiage for the quarterback. There's a ton of checks. There's, uh, you know, there's a ton of not only formations, but personnel groupings and, and adjustments and, you know, and, and shifts and fly motions and motions. And so there's a lot that you have to keep straight in the West Coast offense, especially when you run it like Kyle Shanahan runs it, where a lot of teams base out of three wide receivers, they base out of 11 personnel. So you're not really adjusting from a formational standpoint, or at least from a personnel grouping standpoint, where in San Francisco, you base out of two back and then you rotate two tight ends, two backs, three wide receivers. You're bouncing in and out of personnel groupings all the time. 
and it changes the guy who is, you know, in charge of motion and, and all those things. So it just becomes it becomes a lot to think about. And uh, certainly Trey Lance wasn't ready to, to orchestrate that offense at full capacity. Um, uh, OK, so one of the things kind of lost in this discussion about Aaron Rodgers is that the Packers have him under contract for two more years. Right. So in order for him to leave, they have to trade him, right? right. They, they, they have to. They have to. They have to trade him. Why would the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers when they have him under contract? Well, they would trade him because they can't afford the contract that they have. So the only way that Aaron Rodgers plays in in Packerland is agrees to renegotiate the deal. Um, and this is how it's been explained to me. There's so much. There's so much. So much, so much of a cap hit on Aaron Rodgers that they can't afford to keep him as that contract is currently structured. That's why they renegotiated last year, made it essentially a one-year deal, and then gave Aaron Rodgers the option based upon how that contract is structured, knowing they have to restructure it to get, you know, to, to create a salary cap. Like right now, if you try to franchise, and this is how it's been explained to me, but if you try to franchise Devonta Adams and you kept Aaron on the roster or on the on the salary that he's at right now, you would have about almost fifty percent of your total cap value uh, tied up in two players. Ooh. You know, and then you got to find then you got to find fifty. You got to find a way to fit fifty other guys underneath that. It just is. It's untenable. You can't do it. So that's why he has the power to say, "No, I don't want to play here. You got to trade." Hypothetically, Mark. Uh, all right, we want two first round picks. And we want Bradley Chubb and Judy. Is that too much? For me, no. Hell no. It's not too much. <laughs> one, one you, you have to understand my my value system. All right. So uh, I, I grew up in, in Washington in the Redskins organization at the time. Obviously, now it's the Commandos or the Commanders or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever they've decided to, to. It sounds like a USFL team to me, but whatever. Uh, so. In, in my time there under Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs always used to say, hey, man, I will trade an unknown commodity for a known commodity in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And you got to understand that most of the guys that play, you know, most of, I mean, you look at the first round picks. You know, how many of those guys are truly like truly become superstars, truly become franchise type players? And I would, you know, I'd venture to guess it's uh, even at the quarterback position. I mean, 2018 was you know, a lot of people compared the 2018 class to the quarterback class of 83. Really? Because would you take Baker Mayfield now? Would you take Josh Rosen? Would you take Sam Darnold now? You know, I mean, they still haven't they still haven't given uh, Lamar Jackson a, a big-time contract because you're worried about him and his health and the way they play, the style of offense was they play. Really, one out of those five, well, two out of those five have really really panned out obviously in in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson who's been great but you know my the long term you know your long term I mean the longevity it look at Cam Newton Cam Newton since 20 really 17 2018 he just the first six games in 2018 that guy has been you know that guy has just been injury riddled and has not been able to play so the the shelf life of of playing that style of offense um does not you know it, it doesn't lend itself to longevity at that position um, if Aaron Rodgers is plan A in Denver, what's plan B? Uh, prayer, I think, is uh, <laughs> just bended knee and pray that uh, pray that 
you know, Drew Locke figures it out. I, I, you know, I would, I would think that at some point, if Aaron Rodgers says, I'm going to stay in Green Bay, then you have to start thinking about, can we trade, you know, for Jimmy Garoppolo? Can we trade for uh, a Kirk Cousins? You know, you think about Kirk Cousins, and I know he's under contract in Minnesota, and I don't think he's going anywhere, but is there something that would entice you as a franchise uh, in Minnesota to let go of Kirk Cousins. But th- then you would start looking at that next uh, tier of quarterbacks. I think there's going to be a huge market for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, you start to look at, you know, all the different places that uh, that he fits. And I-, I think there's a ton of those places. So I think there'll be a huge market for Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think that would be plan B where you would have to go. Awesome stuff. Stank, uh, waiting for the next Man 101 video on social media. In the meantime, you can turn in and listen to him in Denver, or you got to wait sometimes football season to hear the pure genius of Stink himself. Stink, hope you're well. We'll talk to you soon. Good stuff. All right, guys. Be good. The one and only Mark Schlereth join us. LeBron's not closing the door on anything, including coming back to Cleveland. We'll get into that next in the Dan Patrick Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Doug Gottlieb, Jason McIntyre in for Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Okay, so a lot, lot to get to. Uh, including the incident in Madison, uh, which you'll hear us discuss all day on Fox Sports Radio. You have the All-Star Game. You have the Chris Paul injury. And you have LeBron James, who Jason McIntyre said, don't close the door on Cleveland just yet. And he also, in a separate uh, interview, said, hey, wherever I'm going to – I want to play with Bronny my last year in the NBA. Of course, um, Bronny plays for Sierra Canyon. They were eliminated by Harvard-Westlake going back to Friday night. And he has one more year of high school, so that's next year. The following year, he would have to go to either the G League Ignite, Overtime Elite, uh, or go to the G League, but would not be, at least you know, based upon the CBA, eligible for the NBA. So we're talking uh, two full seasons from now. That's where LeBron James would want whoever drafts, he would have to be drafted, right, or signed as a as a free agent. What do you think of what he said? Well, first of all, Doug, thank you for pointing out that Sierra Canyon lost. I just went on YouTube and watched that game. Holy, there's at least a dozen D1 guys on the court and at least four future NBA guys. Amari Bailey's ridiculous. Uh, Bronny, he looks f- very quick. But offensively a little limited, and I'm not going to break down whether or not he's instantly going to the NBA, but Doug, we both know someone's drafting him. Someone will take him. LeBron will go there and end his career with his son for a season. And again, I said this in the first hour, Lakers fans should not be upset at this. This is going to happen. This is not a slight to the Lakers. Um, I don't think Cleveland should get all pumped up and stoked. You know, Orlando should get as excited as Cleveland. Uh, Sacramento should get as excited. Anybody wants LeBron and his son, start to plan on drafting his son, right? It's that easy, is it not? Uh, I guess. I mean, look, I, I think if we're taking a snapshot of now and saying, hey, would you draft Bronny James in the first round in order to get LeBron James? Yeah. Of course. The problem is he's going to be 40. 
Listen, I mean, he, at 37, he's putting up 27, 7, and 6. Yes, and they're not winning. But that's not his fault. <laughs> it's not his yes, fault. Yes, it is. How is it his fault? What's he doing wrong on the court? Is he playing poorly? He's a first-team All-NBA guy. Oh. Now, if you Jason, want to blame Jason, it on Russell Westbrook, Jason, who Jason, LeBron you, wanted, wait, yes, wait, I get that aspect. Wait, 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 but it's not wait, his wait, fault wait. that they stick on the court. Why? Why? They're not good defensively. We know that. Okay. They went from a defensive look, team look, and they said, let's look, bring look, in here's, offense. Here, let's here's bring in Russell Westbrook. When did he start scoring all these points? When he started playing center. So he has a mismatch because he has centers guarding him. Okay, he has a mismatch because where because because how they're using him, which is which is brilliant, and he's effective. Okay, but it makes him equally ineffective on the defensive end. Like it, we're, it's just, it's like the Carmelo Anthony thing. However much he gives, he's not as bad defensively as Carmelo, but however much he yeah. gets, he gives up plus on the other end of the court. Doug, go back they, and listen to your November comments on the Lakers. Were Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves prominently mentioned? Of course they were not. Stanley Johnson was picked up midway through the season. Austin Reeves, a rookie. Okay? Yeah. They're figuring prominently to the Lakers because of the damn injuries. Yes. Everybody's hurt because they got an old team. Yes. yes, I know LeBron put together a lot of the team. You want to blame him for that? Fine. But LeBron on the court, do not try to take credit away from what he's done on the court. He is a well, first-team All-NBA player for sure this season. He is? Yeah! I understand he's going to be because of how we how we do it in the NBA, but is he really having a better year than Jokic? Is he really having a better year say, than Giannis? Say, is no. he really having a better year than Steph Curry? No. Those okay. three guys are on the first team. Is he, having, if he's having, is he having a better year than Embiid? No, that's the was fifth he having a, Was he having a better year than Durant before Durant got hurt? Durant the is hurt, no. so you can't say that. So the no. only guy who wait, really LeBron pushes was, LeBron was Wait, LeBron was hurt earlier in the year. So yeah. if Durant comes Durant back and they Durant has missed more games the, than LeBron, and it doesn't look I, like he's I, coming back anytime soon. I, 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 I understand. Is he having a better year than John Morant? Yeah. No. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's, he's 37. Not. He's so putting what? up 27, 7, and 6. Great. Great. You know, 52% shooting. Let me teach you something about basketball from a guy who actually played basketball. Oh, here we go. Every, when you, you run ready? out of arguments. Hold on. I no, you ready? played. You ready? You ready? I can't look at every numbers bad and say LeBron team, kills him in stop, every, every stat. Every bad team has a leading score. Every bad team has a leading score. This is the Dan Patrick Show. <laughs>